Welcome back to another episode of the Forza Athletics Life and Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Inferno. We're at Forza Athletics. We provide coaches and athletes the tools they need in order to achieve their unique and specific goals. For today's podcast episode, we're going to follow up with uh, last week's discussion on expectations and uh, returning back from break and what it really means or what it takes, rather, to be as great a thrower as somebody uh, you know wants to be or what it, how it I know, looks. I was going to start this over, but I guess not. So really what we're going to talk about is I, uh, I wrote a blog post last week similar to the podcast episode in which you talked about, you know, athletes coming back from break and, um, you know, for the athletes that really didn't put in a lot of work over the holiday break, what their expectations are or could be compared to their peers who actually put in the work and came back from break ready to compete. And I talked about uh, college athletes, or at least in my experiences, excuse me, I'm not sure if other coaches have had these experience or situations happen, but in my career, uh, unfortunately, more often than not, athletes uh, really wouldn't do uh, much over the holiday break. Now, we can't make them or force them to train and go to the weight room and do things like that. Uh, but for the ones that did put in work, uh, we had a lot of really great performances and, and those athletes over my coaching career uh, stood out. National champions, All-Americans, school record holders, conference champions, all that stuff. Those athletes were the ones that put in some work over the break uh, to really keep up with and not lose any of their fitness, anything that they had gained over the course of the fall semester. Uh, and one uh, a thrower, and I thank them a lot, uh, actually screenshotted when I talked about process over outcome and how college athletes, or I guess people in society today, really are uh, enamored with the uh, instant gratification and uh, not willing to put in the work or willing to put in what it actually takes in order to achieve their goals, you know, regardless of how, uh, you know, big or not as big they might be. So for today, I'm going to talk about uh, a research project that I started working on a couple years ago. And I'm not going to give out anybody's names or anything like that. Uh, but really, the purpose of the project was to ask throwers, post-collegiate throwers, uh, why they continued throwing. Why, uh, what was it about throwing or their love of track or what have you? Like, why did they maintain their throwing fitness? And why did they continue pursuing their passion? And uh, I was fortunate enough to... Uh, spent some time and talked with uh, a few Olympians uh, that I kind of practiced uh, some questions and just tried to really get down to the bottom of, you know, what it is that really drives these these high-level elite growers. So I interviewed and I had the chance to talk to three Olympians. Uh, between the three of them, uh, I believe they competed in 12 Olympic Games, so they're very decorated. I'm not going to talk about the events because that might give it away and distances and things like that. But in one of the questions, and just kind of talk about, talking about pursuing excellence after graduation and what it really takes to, to be a top level 
thrower. American. These are American Olympians, American-born uh, Olympians. And uh, one of uh, the throwers who competed uh, in multiple Olympic Games uh, shared that uh, he trained about 10 hours a week is the amount of time that he uh, put into his lifting and throwing because of other circumstances that, that he had at the time. That That's what he was able to dedicate during the early parts of his throwing career. So over the course of a year, if you're training you know, about 10 hours a week, just specific to throwing, uh, it comes out to, you know, they, they trained about 50 hours or 50 weeks a year, really at about 500 hours of work there. And as each quad built up, the time also built up. Another Olympian uh, told me that he spent between 30 and 40 hours a week training for his specific event. Uh, so if you multiply, and they all said that they train 50 weeks a year, so they take a couple weeks off for training and whatnot. Um, and with that, uh, so you're looking at double the time, almost full the time with the first thrower. Um, so with the triple time of that thrower, now you're looking at, um, you know, about a thousand to fifteen hundred hours of training a week, which is, which is a little, which is a lot more, obviously. But if you're at that level and you're training, you know, for the Olympics, uh, and you've been on Olympic Games and you made teams, obviously that's, you know, that's important uh, to them. And then another thrower didn't give me specific time that he trained for his specific event. But he told me that he trained about 10 uh, training sessions a week. So, I don't know, 10 training sessions a week. I uh, wouldn't really get into too many specifics about how many throwing and, and lifting. They didn't want to divulge that information, which was fine. Um, so let's say that's an hour a session at the very least. So that's another 500 hours. Anyway, what I'm trying to get at uh, with interviewing these elite level athletes is we have a lot of... I have had a lot of athletes that I've coached that um, really had high high goals for themselves, had high expectations, but their mannerisms, their behaviors didn't support what they wanted to accomplish, what they wanted to achieve, if that makes sense. So when I have an athlete that says, well, I'm going to be a conference champion, uh, but they kind of lackadaisical in practice, not really able to focus in on what they need to do, uh, we sit down and we talk about it. We talk about your behaviors not matching up with your actions. Now, my experience has come from working with Division three athletes. Division three athletes, non-scholarship, for the most part, they joined the team because they competed in high school and they're kind of interested and they want you know, something to do, which is great. Sometimes that turns into All-American, conference champions, and then other times they just get a great experience. I hope I get to teach them a couple of uh, transferable life skills. Uh, you, know, you develop good, good rapport, great relationships with these athletes. Um, I've been invited to, you know, to multiple former athletes' weddings and stuff, which is really cool because... You know, I think that that's kind of like the pinnacle of making it as a coach. I mean, the, the other stuff, the accolades, yeah, that's cool after a while. But, uh, you know, when you have an athlete that decides to take, 
you know, the time to invite you to their wedding, you know, take up a seat at their, um, you know, at a table like that. To me, that's a big deal. Um, and that's, that's really, really cool that they, you know, thought of, thought that highly of you as a coach that you're able to, that you're able to do that. Uh, but getting back to the time thing, um, and I'm kind of all over the place. It's been a crazy week here. We're recording this on Thursday, the 23rd. Uh, you'll be listening to this tomorrow. But getting back to the time thing, uh, you know, I've written about the 10,000 hour rule and, uh, you know, what the 10,000 hour rule really takes or what it really means as opposed to, you know, really being dial in and being deliberate. Um, I don't want to get too researchy about things, but I wrote a chapter about it in our last thrower book where we talk about, you know, what it really takes to develop these habits and what deliberate practice really means that you're not just going through the motions for two hours a day, five days a week for 50 weeks a year. Um, so if you really think about it and you sit down as an athlete, regardless of what sport you are competing in, and you write down all the things that you want to accomplish. And then you match those accomplishments or what you want to do with your current behaviors. It's a great exercise in, in thinking about, am I really putting in the work that it's going to take in order to achieve whatever my goal is, right? I want to bench press 315 pounds, but I don't bench press. I, you know, I don't know how many people are just able to bench press 315 pounds without ever benching, right? Or I want to squat 600 pounds, but I don't like getting under the bar and squatting. Like, you really got to be realistic with with your with your thinking and your thought process. And hopefully there's somebody in your life, a coach, a teacher, you know, some trusted adult, a mentor, that can kind of steer you in the right direction. When I get messages from athletes that want to uh, train with us and join the Forza Club and things, always, first sessions are always free, you know, for the most part. Uh, nobody ever takes us up on it, which I find really interesting. Uh, maybe uh, a DM a week or every couple weeks and Instagram, hey, I want to come out and train, I want to come out and practice. So we arrange times or I always say, you know, these are the times that we are practicing. Come on out, join us, you know, let your, you know, mom or dad or, you know, guardian, somebody know, uh, put them in contact with me, just kind of finalize stuff. Cause you know, dealing with sometimes 16, 17, 18 year olds or, um, communication might not be the greatest. So I don't mind talking to, you know, families about what, uh, what the commitment might or might not be. And for the most part, nobody ever shows up. So they, they inquire, uh, they say they want to be great and they want to be a sectional champion and they want to throw at D1 and they want to do all this stuff. And it's like, sure, come on out. So uh, the best example of this, I think, happened very recently. Uh, but I don't mind you know, talking about him now uh, that he's in college, but uh, Will Gross, the thrower from uh, Buffalo. Uh, he was a 59, he threw 59, like 11 at the New York State Championships uh, last year, 2019 
indoor uh, championships in the weight throw, and he just missed making the finals. And he lives in Buffalo, so Buffalo to Naz, you know, door to door, it was taking, it's about an hour and a half. So he reached out over the summer, of summer of 19, and said, you know, I want to come out and throw with you. It's like, that's great. So we set up a couple times. Uh, my dad, dad would chill at practice, which was awesome. Uh, and throughout the course of the season, Will really didn't miss any Sunday practices. He came pretty much every Sunday. And he threw, so he put about uh, 10 and a half feet on his personal best over the course of a year. Uh, now, he already had the tools, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not a magician, but he already had the tools to get him to throw at 60 feet, which is fantastic. Uh, so we just worked on a couple of little things, technical things, more of like mental process, mental focus stuff on how to approach training and throwing and meets and competition and things like that. So that's really where I thought he would probably benefit more. I mean, technically, he was already great. So that wasn't just don't mess anything up there, but really worked on between year stuff. And um, first meeting through 66, then we had a couple of 65, 64, 66, 67. And then when it really mattered most, throw 70 feet for the first time and 50 feet in the shot foot. And um, he uh, ended up earning the scholarship. He's a thrower at Akron now, so he's an Akron zip. He opened up last weekend. He threw 17.50 with the men's weight, 35-pounder, uh, which is great. And um, he didn't need to come. Like, he was already a really good thrower, established thrower in Western New York, one of the top I don't know, I'd say at least top 10, uh, definitely in, in, in New York State for sure, but uh, as far as Section 5, Section 6, Western New York, where we live, uh, he's one of the top guys. There's not that many 60-foot you know, weight throwers every year. Um, so I'm using him as an example because he was already pretty good. I'd say, I'd say borderline great up until that point. And uh, he went above and beyond. He didn't have to come out. He didn't have to uh, drive, you know, pretty much every Sunday. Um, he didn't have to do any of, like, the activities that uh, I suggested he try to incorporate as far as, like, mental preparation and how to work on focus and what really to concentrate on. All these little things that I've written about before. But it really worked for him, right? So he's, he's somebody that stands out, one, because it's, it's very recent, but two... Um, I, I wish you guys could see me. I'm like talking, talking with my hands here as uh, we're um, on our way to uh, school. Um, you know, he put in that extra, like the, the little bit that he didn't have to come out on a Sunday after throwing on a Saturday or a Friday at a meet, right? So it's those little things. So when working with college athletes or even post-collegiate throwers, it's really more about like, what do you want to get out of this experience? What do you want to get out of the opportunity of being a post-collegiate thrower? And it's not for all the, the post-collegiates that are going to be, you know, qualified for indoor nationals or outdoor nationals or the Olympic trials. There's post-collegiates that I work with that just want to throw again and just want somebody to kind of guide them and help them along the way. And those conversations are awesome because for me, we're playing out two, three, four-year plans. Because in some cases, the throwers didn't throw the weight or hammer in high in college uh, because their college uh, you know, co coached and teach them or they were in a specific conference where they didn't have it, uh, where those events weren't uh, participate or weren't competed, you know, whatever. But uh, 
uh, it's really fun to sit down and have conversations with those athletes because we're able to really spend a lot of time talking about, okay, where do you want to be? Um, how can I help you get there? And what can we do together in order for you to achieve it? So we put together an action plan, right? Just kind of like a lesson plan that I've written about in the past. Um, and it works out, uh, for the most part, really well. Um, probably because they're already like adults, right? Some of them are in their mid to late 20s, early 30s. So they're reaching out to me because they are going to, you know, put in the work to achieve, you know, their unique and specific goals. But uh, I've done a lot of rambling today. I talked a, little about, a lot about, you know, what like some Olympic throwers, like what what their schedules were like and what they were uh, training for and the time that they put in, which is obviously going to be much different than a college athlete or post-collegiate who's not quite at the Olympic level, depending on, you know, how many jobs they have or whatever they're doing. Um, so... I guess that, that wraps it up for today's episode, uh, season 2020, episode 12, or 13 rather, uh, as we move forward and get closer to the Olympic trials coming up here. You know, every episode brings us seven days closer, a week closer, uh, five to ten training sessions closer, you know, depending on uh, the athletes and coaches listening out there. But I really appreciate your time. Uh, this is cool that we're able to engage like this and there's uh, coaches and athletes that listen and uh, send messages and, and, you know, screenshot stuff and post it. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, if you're interested in post-collegiate throwing or if you're interested in, uh, you know, refresher or some other mentoring uh, over the summer, if you're a high school athlete, athlete rather, or post-collegiate athlete, uh, you know, you can always reach out sportsathletics.com uh, we're there uh, contact information there is there all of our uh, you know, previous blogs ways to reach out if anybody has any questions about anything uh, even if you're a post collegiate thrower and maybe you uh, are not sure if you want to continue on with being a post collegiate thrower or you just need help like kind of uh, putting in more of a zoom focus or laser focus on your or goals reach out as well like i said you know first sessions are always are always free i think we get a lot out of those ones especially since there really isn't uh i don't know the stress or anxiety or the expectation of um you know really digging in deep in regards to training or or you know writing things out on paper which i prefer to write out as opposed to uh apps or computer or whatever but that's just me uh, but yep, that's it for today. I guess today was a, a continuation of expectations and what you should expect of yourself or what you think you should expect of yourself. Maybe it's a better, better phrase or terminology there. But again, I really appreciate everyone's time and listening and uh, engaging and reaching out. So this episode, uh, you should be listening to it uh, tomorrow, which is going to be Friday, January 24th or today is Friday, January 24th uh, when you'll be listening. Thank you very much everyone and have a fantastic day.